Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Next, on the OHIO podcast, we respond to the most recent coach interviews. We discuss the Kate Stover move back to tight end and whether or not players should be allowed to request position changes. We rank the last 10 defensive coordinators, and Eric interviews Brian King. And that all starts right now. Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I am your host, Buckeye Boggs, and today I am joined by the Wild Man and the Monk doing a little three-way, uh, three-man weave action for you all tonight. If you're not satisfied with pickup games and unranked matches, chances are you're aiming higher than most. Aspire, you'll train to be the best. Whether you're drawn to the pool, track, mat, basketball, quarter, gaming controller, we provide the training you need to achieve your dream. Make our facilities your home or take advantage of free transportation services. Are you ready to unlock your potential? Visit SpireCleveland.com today. That's Spire, S-P-I-R-E. All right, boys, we are in week number three of spring football over at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Pads came on this week. They used to say back in the day, boys, that this is when the men separated themselves from the boys, when the pads came on. And I would say, based on some of the interviewing we saw this week, and, and of course, if you guys got to watch the little scrimmage uh, where the uh, students got to participate and be a part of that practice, 
I saw some very interesting things, which I will talk about here in a little bit. But we're first going to react to the interviews of Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, and Kevin Wilson. We'll start with the head man himself, Ryan Day. And uh, Jason, since uh, you are the uh, uh, newer guy here in the group, we're going to let you start first uh, today with your um, what you got to what your takeaways were, what your impressions were of what Ryan Day brought out in his press conference earlier this week. Well, first, I just got to say that the way that man carries himself and presents himself is second to none. And I think that's one of the main reasons that he's going to really overachieve at Ohio State, especially as you see on the recruiting trail. He's just got that personable thing about him that you know even the parents love it but um one of the takeaways that kind of stood out to me early was him they were talking about how he felt at going into this off season in spring at, from last year and he just said it was nice to actually have a reference point with the players that you know have a year or two under their belts unlike last year where they were coming in completely unknown and they just didn't have the confidence like he does this year, even though he continued to stress, you know, they have, you know, it's only six, six practices. So there's a long way to go, but it sounds like things are really progressing very well. And I like that they're focusing right now more on the individuals, just improving every day more than the team concept right now. And I think that's a great starting plan. Yeah, I agree. I think that, Ryan, well, first off, let me back up and start with where you started. Ryan Day, this being, I believe, his fourth season now at Ohio State, you can tell he is much more comfortable behind the microphone as the head man. And, and of course, that experience offers that. But that doesn't mean that, you know, that that's automatically going to be something that you're good at just based off experience. I mean, case in point, let's look up to the state that you live in there, Jason. Uh, the okay. head man in Ann Arbor, he, when he's behind a microphone, I don't care if he, that dude's been coaching since the dawn of time. <laughs> His interviews are just – they are drag your fingernails over the chalkboard irritating. Uh, so I agree with you. Ryan Day, he's comfortable. He carries himself well. He's matter of fact. He's to the point. Um, he doesn't reveal too much, which some people don't like. I mean, right? Uh, you 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 go from Urban Meyer, who was very quick to tell you everything, including every little flaw about somebody, to Ryan Day, who's kind of keeping a little bit closer to the vest. Now he's not he's not Jim Tressel close to the vest. I mean, Jim would, Jim was the master of answering nothing while giving you a long winded answer. So I got to give Ryan Day credit. He's somewhere in the middle, and I like that. Um, Chris, what do you think? What did you take away from Ryan Day's press conference earlier in the week? Well, yeah, I'm with you guys. First of all, I do love the way he carries himself. Eric, what you're talking about there is being a coach. When you, when you can say something by saying nothing and and he's very, he's very good at it. Uh, you know, I just got thinking back to, uh, the point where he's the, the point where he says, well, we're not ahead of where we should be, but we're right about where we're at. And, you know, we're right where I expect we should be for this point in the season. Yeah, he, he was he's a master of double talk, <laughs> but a good coach is. They're not going to tell you more than you need to know. 
So, yeah, but uh, I, I thought the thing that I took away is the fact that I think, A, things are progressing nicely. I think that we heard him mention just how happy he is uh, with his new coaching selection, specifically Jim Knowles. Uh, I think that we learned that, obviously, Cade Stover, we're going to talk about him in a minute, he is, is making that move back to the tight end room. Something I took away from all three coaches is, I think we're a little tired of it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of got to feel like they were all a little tired of talking about this, maybe a little tired of that jumping around. Uh, but you know what? Uh, I think the other thing that I took away from Day uh, and we heard a little bit from uh, Knowles about this, too, was Josh Proctor is coming along well. Right. And I think he is going to be somebody who's going to be a major impact player in this defense once the season starts. Yeah, I, I've i got penciled in right now your starting safeties, and, and this has to do with a little bit of projection, along with what we saw there in the 20-some minute uh, clip of uh, the scrimmage from Saturday. Tanner McAllister is your nickel safety. Ronnie Hickman is the free safety. Josh Proctor is going to probably be the strong safety. Um, those are your starters. And to go along with Denzel Burke and Cameron Brown at cornerback, I feel very confident about our defensive backfield, Chris. That's awful scary, man. It's good. If, if these guys come out and we saw the flashes uh, a little bit, you know, Denzel – Absolutely had a great freshman year. If he comes back and elevates that game with these other guys surrounding him, I'm telling you, it's going to be tough for anybody to not only throw the ball downfield, but but I don't know if you want to make that run into the second level. Because I'll tell you what, they are going to bring the hammer down on you. Yeah. And I'm also enjoying what I'm learning about the two linebacker set, which let's get into Jim Knowles now, shall we? Since the, we're, we're, since we're kind of focusing on that defense a little bit. Um, I Here's what I took away from that scrimmage that I saw. The dude is coming up with these blitz packages that were throwing our offensive line out of whack and really, really making CJ uncomfortable. And, we know how good our offense is and can be and will be. And and this isn't to scare us on the offensive line because I'm going to go out on a limb and say our offensive line this year is going to be better than it was last year. I think yep. we have actual real guards starting as opposed to tackles moving inside, playing guard and out of position. I think our running game is going to be very good. I think getting Cade Stover back at tight end is going to be great for our running game, which we will also talk about here in just a minute. But – can I just say this? I could sit and listen to Jim Knowles talk football for days. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I don't, know, I don't know what it is about the guy because he comes across as this kind of this old grouchy kind of teacher. Like that old, I, had, I had a professor in college that was a history teacher that was a lot like him. And he was an old – like an old World War II vet that taught. And I loved the guy. And people hated him. But I loved him. Because he was just one of those dudes that just captivated me with his stories and his presentation. And I'm getting the same vibe from Jim Knowles. And I'm already hearing how much players love the guy, how that he's, you know, he, he gets behind a podium and he's kind of monotone and quiet. But at the same time, he's bouncing all over the place on the practice field, I guess, and just high energy. So 
I'm loving the dude. I love what he was talking about, the things he was bringing up about the defense, about what we can expect. Um, I thought it was really interesting. He said when Sonny Styles comes to the team, he's in the safety position. He goes, I want to see him at safety first before we determine if there's any other place we want to put him. That was a good nugget. That was something we learned. Um, yep. He installed the uh, jack position this week. or um, what, Don't call it the Leo. Don't call it the Leo. We don't <laughs> no. have a Leo yet, he said. We have jacks. And of course, then he said Jack Sawyer's in that position as well. Um, and they call this package with the jack position, which is that hybrid stand-up defensive end line slash linebacker. They call it the jet package. I like that. That gives it an automatic feel of being uh, fast, furious, up-tempo, um, going to put pressure on the defense, which we have been lacking for years, and I, I'm so excited for that. Um, here's something else that I thought was interesting. I don't remember him once mentioning Zach Harrison no. in the entire press conference. No. Nope. And if you were watching closely during the scrimmage, your defensive ends and the number one, or Jack Sawyer and JT Tumulau. Thought that was interesting. Not putting rumors out there. Not saying that Zach Harrison won't be starting come day one against Notre Dame. All I'm saying is Jim Knowles doesn't care who you are, what your star rating was, or where you were from. He said, I'm, my job is to, is to win and get the 12, 11 best guys out there at the time. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, I'll go back with you first here, Monk. What did you take away from uh, our our wise Obi One defensive coordinator Jim Knowles? Well, uh, you know, like you said, he's uh, he just to me he kind of reminds me. I'm sure you guys had this in your neighborhoods growing up too. You got that that one old man that just always has the great stories. That's friends with everybody, <laughs> but. Uh, I kind of like how they're implementing that silver bullet of the day reward. Like, I thought that was kind of a cool idea. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Work for. And, like, you know, not to kind of piggyback off your Zach Harrison thing, but he really seemed to mention a lot of these young guys, like uh, Caden Curry, like how impressive he was just getting off the ball. I guess the, the, the interior linemen were having so much trouble with him coming off the ball. And, I just I I think the way that he approaches his players where if they make a mistake he lets them know but he does not put them down he does not you know he he builds them up with telling them what they're doing wrong and how to fix it like in today's game the way the players are that's uh, the perfect type of coaching that you're going to have to have and Ryan Day also does that so I mean just this this coaching staff is unbelievable and then all three of them also had mentioned that it's not up to the the player to so much succeed as it is for the coaches to put them in the right spot so they succeed. Like you can tell they're gonna they're gonna put themselves in front of the players if need be to take that bullet. You know they're not gonna let these people attack them, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um. He. Uh, you brought up Caden Curry. Jason, um, another name he brought up that he – it's been a, p- a position change for him, but apparently Jim Knowles says he's just the, – the light has turned on for this young man, Mitchell Melton. Yes. Yep. He was the one mentioned a lot too. Yeah, and I, I for one, I can't wait to see that 
because this they've been talking about him since day one, Eric. Yes, they have. Yeah. What What did you guys think about uh, him? His little thing on uh, the two running backs, Steel Chambers, and then uh, Chip train them. You know, moving from running back to linebacker. Like the way he put it was excellent. Oh yeah, the how that a running back uh, because they 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 were a superstar at running back and played really well in high school running back. They kind of can know where the ball's going to go. Yeah, um, as the a, escape hatch. <laughs> yeah, call it the escape hatch, and and so that he knows, like, hey, they're not reacting to where the ball is, but they kind of have an idea where the ball's going to be. Um, I thought that was really insightful as well. We've never quite heard anything like that. I believe Steel Chambers is starting. I believe Tommy Eichenberg is starting. Yeah, he's got yeah. a man crush. He's got a man crush on Tommy Eichenberg. Oh, I he yeah, he was all well. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Oh no, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, he really seems high on all the linebackers. I mean, he talked up Hicks, Powers, Carrico. I mean, he's just, you could tell he's loving all the talent that he has for the first time in his career. <laughs> like, lot, it's almost a like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> yeah, a lot of toys to play with there. All right, Chris, go ahead, my man. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously for me, I, I love the fact that, you know, he, he was talking line. He talked a little bit about that, uh, the, the, the rush package, which is going to have regardless of position, the five best rushers on the team going to be in it. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to go after it. Uh, loved hearing that Teron's having a little bit of a uh, showing there as well. Uh, you know, he, he's shown a lot of hustle out there. So th- this is a guy who, you know, he can, he can provide some of that upperclassman leadership a little bit. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. And, and Eric, he, he he's not the old World War II vet. I'm telling you, this guy is that high school coach that grabbed you by the face mask and drug you around the field. Make no mistake about it. <laughs> but yet you yet you love the guy. But you love you know? the guy. Well, yeah. and you always do. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I love I'm with you guys. I love the fact I could sit and listen to him talk all day long. He just it's like just listen to his press conferences. It is a teachable moment for everybody in the media. He is going to coach defense to you while during the press conference every time. <laughs> I know. I love it. You know, I uh, on my on my wish list, I think he might be now on my top 5 wish list. I would love to smoke a cigar with Jim Knowles. Uh, I knew that. Would that be funny. awesome? <laughs> but yeah, he, he's ready to get to, to some cigar smoking. Yeah, you can yeah. tell. He's <laughs> That's kind of my thing, so I I, kind of like that. Yeah, I I thought it was pretty cool, too, how he had mentioned, uh, like, basically the evolution and the starting point of that Jack position. I won't say the other name for it. (laughs) But that was kind of a cool story, too, I thought. Well, and did you guys think, too, that I think they're a little more advanced than I thought we were going to be coming out of spring? He says they're going to be over two-thirds of the way through yeah, I always where they want to be by the time he comes out of spring ball. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. I think that's that's good. That's yeah. Well, what it means is they're picking we, up quick. We've got <laughs> yeah, we've got players who are intelligent, and it also means, and I'm not not to throw anybody under the bus, but it also means that Kerry Coombs was not he was not instructing or uh, communicating the defensive concepts and ideas that they were wanting to run well enough for these players, for them to understand Jim Knowles has a way of you just getting it. 
That's coaching, guys. That's why he. That's why they're paying him two million dollars to be a defensive coordinator. Well, is, I'm going to purpose throw, right there. I'm going to throw Washington under the bus because he's right there, as far as I'm concerned, not being able to teach the players, and it it showed because I mean the. Seemed like his only good years is when he had upperclassmen linebackers that were excellent players. I mean, at Michigan Gardner, and then when it gets to Ohio State, Pete Warner. I mean, a lot of people are down on him, but that guy is an animal. So, so that's two thirds of the coaches. I got to ask you the co- first question here, Chris. I'll let you go first. Has Kevin Wilson finally grown on you yet, my man? A little bit. All right, I'll take a, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, you know, and, and again, he he may have been the one that sounded most uh, most happy to get caged over back, and yeah. most irritated to deal with the bouncing around. Uh, you know, he's he's a great tight end coach. I have no qualms with him there. You know, we've had nothing but success at tight end with him coaching the tight ends. Uh, you know, but yeah, I think overall, I think that, uh, you know, obviously very bullish on the line. I, I think the run game's back guys. I really do with, especially with Stover moving back to the tight end position. I, I think that uh, we aren't going to have to worry about those uh, short yards uh, yards anymore. Yeah. I hope you're right. Um, what I took away from Wilson and this this correlates with what we were just talking about with Jim Knowles. Wilson says this offense is really having to work to get yards this year, and in, in spring. That's uh, good though. That is, I know that's really good. Even though we're kind of like, uh, wait a minute, you know, our offense is supposed to be this high octane, can't be stopped. If the defense is doing well enough that they're really presenting problems, specifically for our offensive line and C.J. Stroud, it sounds like, then what Jim Knowles has established and is creating on that side of the ball is going to be a problem for the rest of the big 10. So very excited about that. But I'll say this, what excited me most was the very last comment Kevin Wilson made in his press conference when asked about Matt Jones at guard. And he said, he's been awesome. Yes. That is why I believe personally, Chris, our running game is going to be much better is because we've got guards who can number one, blow off the ball, give you a hole. And number two can pull and get out and and create extra blocking on the outside. Remember last year when we would try to run the ball the outside, we were terrible. Well, when you got fair trying to pull around, I mean, he's he's good tackle. He just didn't have that athleticism. We did not have guards who were able to get out and, 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 and lead block. Um, and I, that showed, I mean, we were always trying to just set the edge with the tight end and they were just bringing an extra defender down in the box, the linebacker and setting the edge on us all, all game long. And I don't care how good Travion Henderson or, or Mayan Williams are, the, that's, that's impossible. So it, it I think it's going to do wonders for this running game to have Matthew Jones in there blocking in the running department and and of course i think this running game is going to improve greatly um jason kevin wilson what'd you take away from his press conference um you know he he was one that definitely talked highly of these uh younger or developing tight ends he mentioned g scott a few times saying that he's really developing great um i think he's up to like 240 pounds roughly and but I liked where he said that 
Um, he really gets the input of his quarterback and what he's seeing. That way he knows if he can trust what the quarterback's seeing and what he's going to do, and then he can adjust and be more aggressive on the play calling. I think we're going to have to really do that this year. But as, on the offense side, the uh, coach statement that really stood out to me was actually from Jim Knowles talking about Stroud and how he is so good and so fast at um, dissecting the play even before it starts and just finding that little hole and how he puts it right on the money like nobody he's ever seen. Like that gives me a lot of hope. And I'm really excited to see Evan Pryor. And I hope they use him like Curtis Samuel. Yeah, I, that, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> I saw him catch a couple passes in the scrimmage out of the backfield. And I, mm-hmm. it, it, there was definitely a Curtis Samuel vibe there, man. Um, I think that's going to be another wrinkle in this offense that's just going to make it unstoppable. Um, <clears throat> Chris, you mentioned at the beginning uh, there, Kate Stover, how that uh, – uh, it felt like um, Kevin Wilson was maybe a little bit irritated that he lost him, but he came, you know, here he's back. I think he's glad he's back for him at a tight end. That brings us to the Cade Stover conversation. Now, it seems like to me that uh, Buckeye Nation is a little split on Cade Stover moving back to the tight end position. Some would like to see him remain at linebacker because he did play so well in the Rose Bowl there. Others want to see him at tight end because they know that we just don't have the depth there. Um, reading between the tea leaves, it sounds like to me Kate Stover's way to the field is on tight end, and he realized that. I think his heart is to play linebacker, but he just knew he just wasn't going to see the field. And at tight end, with the fact that Mitch Rossi right now is injured, G. Scott is young, uh, Mitch Royer is, is also has very little to no playing time. He was kind of the veteran guy there. And so I think he, he – and I loved his interview where he basically said, I'm going to bring the defensive perspective and to the offense, the, the defensive mindset. I'm going to bring it to the offense in the blocking department. And it it, and, and, and it, it, it makes some heads rolls, you know. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in the spring game there, as specifically blocking and then – we know he's an adequate, adequate enough athlete that I think he's going to do a pretty good job for what we do at Ohio State for, at the tight end position. But here's my question. And feel free to give your two cents about the Kate Stover move as well, guys. But I'll start with you first, Chris. Should players be allowed to choose their positions or do coaches know best? Your thoughts? Yes. I think both hold true, Eric. I do think the coaches probably do know best. But I think we have to give some leniency in this if we truly want them at that, the school. That, that I'm saying because it's the it's the time we live in. The transfer portal, uh, you know, I think really impacts things significantly as it pertains to this. You know, we saw it with uh, Chip. You know, he wanted to play running back. He went to Arizona State, didn't work out. He comes back to Ohio State to play linebacker, which is where we recruited him. Uh, he realized he wasn't going to see the field as, you know, a running back here, so he he went and tried it elsewhere. Uh, and, and I think you're going to see that. Guys who truly want to play offense are going to go to a school that's going to let them play offense. If it doesn't work out, they're going to jump. Is it right? I don't think so. Is it the way it is? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, after what we saw the, just here recently with uh, 
the two quarterbacks from Alabama. I mean, clearly, no, you can't count on anybody anymore. Uh, that, that, that portal has completely changed the college game and the approach these coaches have to make. No, I think the coaches know best. I think they should put you at the position where they think you are going to be the most beneficial to the team. Uh, but, you know, what? obviously the players are looking out is where am I going to get the most playing time? Where am I going to benefit the most for my own personal game, uh, especially if I have aspirations of playing at the next level? Uh, Monk, what do you think, man? <clears throat> I'm right there with Chris. I mean, you know, you want to definitely believe the coaches know best. But, I mean, you look at these kids now, they're – they're starting training so much younger. They're getting all this individual training. So, I mean, they're so much farther advanced than what they were even 10 years ago by the time they get to college, like, you know, uh, in Jigba, Ibuka, guys like that. And with the times, it's now it's the era of the players. The players hold more power, it seems. Um, the NIL also is going to play into that with, you know, for their personal gain, like Chris said. Um, I just, I feel bad for the coaches ahead of time because it's such a fine line you have to walk and you, you can't just be a good coach these days. You have to also be a great person and kind of going back to what I said earlier, we have the perfect pieces in Ryan Day and Jim Knowles and, you know, Wilson, Hartline, Johnson, these, these are all just great human beings and, that's and it's going to show, like I said, in the recruiting, this team, how it's going to, I think, is just going to be unbelievable this year. So, I, I just, it's just the era we live in. <laughs> yeah, you guys make good points. <clears throat> I will agree with you. the The old timer in me wants to say coaches know best, but you know, we it's a fine line these guys walk, like you said, especially with the portal and the and the era that we live in. So, being happy and 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 uh, you know, your happiness while on campus is a part of making sure you stay and develop and keep to the plan that these coaches pitch to these guys during recruiting. So uh, it is what it is. I think Kate Stover is a very interesting case study on will he will he achieve his goals having switched not once, not twice, not three times, but now four times. Remember, he came in as a linebacker. They moved him to defensive end. Then they moved him to tight end. Then he got moved to linebacker, and now he's chosen to go back to tight end. So very interesting uh, career <laughs> path that Kate Stover has taken thus far. See, now he he's one of these rare cases where I feel he's earned that right to choose. I mean, because he has put the team first, as you just said, with all, you know, he's done everything that's been asked of him. So he, he's kind of like run one of the rare cases that, I, I feel his input definitely should have been first and foremost. Gotcha. Uh, all right, guys, let's move to our third topic here, our third segment of the show. This is going to be extremely interesting, guys. So I decided to challenge Jason and Chris, and I gave them a list of our last 11 defensive and or co-defensive coordinators. Okay. Now, I may have missed one or two here that were was a co, but it was in title only, if you know what I mean. Not really, a, not really truly someone calling the defense here. But 
Here's the list of guys I have come up with. And, of course, we're going to start with our current one, Jim Knowles. You had Kerry Combs from 2020 to 2021. Jeff Halfley in 2019. Greg Madison was 2019 and 2020. Alex Grinch, 2018. Greg Schiano, 2017 and 2018. They were co-defensive coordinators, if you remember. Chris Ash, 2014 to 2015. Luke Fickle was 2012 to 2016, but he was also 2005 to 2010. He was co-defensive coordinator along with Jim Haycock, who was 2005 to 2011. Now we're going way back early in the Jim Trestle area here with Jim Haycock. Smarks, uh, Mark Snyder in 2004. And then Mark D'Antonio from 2001 to 2003. So we're going to do a top 10 list of our ranking them from 10 to number one and find out where you guys believe Jim (laughs) Knowles is slotted into this list uh, without even calling the defensive yet. So I thought this would be a very interesting exercise to find out where he's at and where he needs to get to to be at the top here. So, number 10, Chris, I'll start with you. Go for it. Uh, Number 10, I actually went with Alex Ginch. Uh, You know, he was only there for a season. He was there with Shiano in what was, you know, pretty much Shiano's worst year as a co-defensive coordinator as well. Uh. For me, I, yeah, Alex Ginch was number ten. Yep, I had Grinch at number ten as well. Grinch. Yep. Um, what, where, who did you have at number ten, Monk? I had Terry Combs. <laughs> okay. Oh, a lot of hate there. <laughs> well, I, I love Kerry Combs. I, he is one of my favorite coaches, but he wasn't a good defense coordinator. I mean, what? In, in, yeah. Uh, was it two thousand nine or yeah two thousand or yeah twenty twenty? I mean, they played eight games and he gave up almost as many yards as full seasons <laughs> on other coaches. So I just I couldn't justify him being anywhere else but ten. <laughs> All right, uh, number nine, Chris. Uh, number nine, I went Mark Snyder. Uh, again, you know, one, he was only a single year yeah. guy and. and to me, there is a, a single-season guy on here who had a, an exceptional season. Yes. He's up a little higher on the mm-hmm. list. Uh, uh, but, you know, yeah, Snyder did nothing that really stood out. Well, 2004, if you remember, was not, not Jim Trestle's good season. That was a rebuild no. that year. It was, uh, what, four losses that year, I believe? Eight and f- yeah. We went eight and four, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I actually had Mark Snyder at number nine, too. So here we go again, Chris. <laughs> it's every time we do a stinking list, you and I are like neck and neck the whole way, it seems like. So whatever Chris says, you might as well just mark it down. It's probably going to be the same for me. Number nine for you, Monk. I went with Alex Grinch. All right. So you had him one step higher. Gotcha. Number eight, Chris. Uh, number eight, I actually took uh, – Whoop! where did I go here? Number eight. Uh, this is where I went with Kerry Combs. Okay. I got I got him down a little, and, and I'm going to throw out there just what uh, what Monk mentioned. You know, in eight games, we gave up nearly 402 yards per game uh, of defense. Just not impressive to me at all. What I will say is, is he was a great recruiter, and that's one of the reasons I, I gave him a little bit of a leeway there. So. 
I actually went with Greg Madison at number eight. Um, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. I think Greg Madison, although he wasn't the play caller, I think he was that veteran defensive guy that I felt that Ryan Day was comfortable with, if that makes sense. And I think when Madison stepped away in 2021, I do feel like the defense did take a significant step back in 2022. Oh, yeah. Or excuse me, in 2021 when he stepped out, out of the box in 2020. So, um, I, I'm going to give him a little bit higher grade than Grinch and Snyder, um, but he was only there for two seasons, and most of the fans up north will tell you that he was he was a Michigan man, and they took that losing him to Ohio State hard when he came. So, number eight for you, Monk. Uh, number eight for me was Greg Schiano, just for that 2018 year. I mean, 5,200 total yards of offense given up against that defense and 51 points against Maryland. Come on. (laughs) And and we're not talking about today's Maryland where they actually have a really good offense. This was a a running back that was playing quarterback that just lit us up. (laughs) Yeah. Number seven, Chris, this is where I got Greg Madison at Eric. Okay. So we were close, but yep. Yeah. I got it at seven. I actually have Greg Schiano at seven. So we're all kind of right around that seven, eight here, Mark. Month number seven. Uh, Mark Snyder. Okay. Uh, that means we're up to number six, Chris. Well, I'll tell you, I gave Greg Schiano a little bit of more love than you guys did here. And it was based on that 2017 season, you know, under 200 yards passing per game, only 105 yards rushing per game. 44 sacks, 13 interceptions. That that to me carried it. Plus, he did recruit, uh, you know, NPF Matthew Jones and Jeremy Ruckert. Uh, mm. So, yeah, I got I got Shauna there. Here at number six is where I've got Jim Knowles penciled in, guys. I think this is his starting point. I think he'll be no worse than six, but I think he can climb this list. But I have Jim Knowles slotted right here at number six to start off as the defensive coordinator. Muck? I've got Greg Madison at six. I gave him a little more love because we did steal him from the team <laughs> up north. <laughs> and, I mean, he had a good record, were they? He Two two losses in the yep. two years he was there. That's impressive. Yep. Uh, that means here's our top five. Chris, go for it. Okay, this is where I brought Jim Knowles in. Uh, Based upon a very impressive year he's coming off of at Oklahoma State, Uh, you know, something that we've we've harped about a lot is defending the run. His team last year only gave up 87.6 yards per uh, game in the run and only 210 yards a game through the air in a very pass-happy conference. Uh, So I, I think that from what we've heard, everything that we've heard from him so far, I think he's going to definitely move up this list, but I entered him in at number five. Number five for me is Jim Haycock. Um, he was there for a long time, guys, and he was there for the the largest portion of the Trestle era. And there were some really good defenses in those six mm-hmm. years that he was there. And there was a couple that needed some work, but Trestle Ball hinged on the fact that Jim Haycock's defenses – we're going to keep you in football games and no one was going to blow us out. So I got Jim Haycock at number five. Monk? Uh, this is where I also put Knowles. Okay. On to the top four, Chris. 
So um, I guess there was some misunderstanding. We've, we've taken a quick time out here so, <laughs> and discussed this. So um, there was a little bit of misunderstanding where Jim Knowles should be slotted in. And so these guys have done a top 10 without Jim Knowles. And then they said, hey, here's where Jim Knowles should start in. So this is going to be Chris's number five, Chris. So go for it. Yeah, number five, I've got Jim Haycock. Uh, you know, decent decent numbers throughout his tenure at Ohio State. Uh, I think he was Mr. Consistency. Uh, I've got him slotted in there at five. All right, month number five. Uh, I've got Chris Ash at number five. Okay, I actually have Jim Haycock number five, like you just heard. Now on to the top four. Go for it, Chris. Give me thick here at number four. I, 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 you know, again, a, a consistent guy. I think a great defensive mind. I think if Ryan Day ever moves on, this is probably our next head coach. Uh, yeah, I've got Fick in here at number four. Ditto. Everything you just said, I agree. Monk, number four for you. I got Jim Haycock at number four. There you go. Number three, Chris. Okay, here's, here's the one-season guy. I moved up the list a little bit here. And that's going to be Jeff Halfley. That 2019 season that he was there, phenomenal. Uh, just to throw some numbers out at you, 156 yards a game we gave up through the air. That was the 10th best season in Ohio State history. The top eight were all before 1980, when nobody threw the ball that much. Yeah. Uh, you know, 124 tackles for loss in the season. First all-time for Ohio State. 54 sacks in a season, first all-time for Ohio State. You know, all the numbers were just phenomenal. Only gave up nine TD passes all season. Halfway into number three. I agree with you completely. I have a Jeff Halfley number three. Now, some would argue that he inherited one of the better defenses in Ohio State history, Chase Young. Um, the list goes on and on. The guys he had, Fuller. Um, gosh, my gosh. Arnett. Arnett, yes, yeah. you've got um, Okuda. Okuda. How can we forget Okuda? I mean, but, this was just a phenomenal defense. But he brought in that single high safety look, and it was phenomenal that season. And offenses really had trouble trying to figure that out, especially with the pass rush that we were getting. So I agree. Jeff Halfley, number three. Monk? Uh, I also have him at three in my my argument to go against that with him inheriting that that was the same defense in 2018 that gave up 5,200 yards of offense against them. <laughs> so, and I mean, when Halfley was there, they 99 rushing yards per game, given up 12 and a half points. And I like, come on, how, how can you not give this guy his credit? I actually wanted to put him at number two, but I couldn't do it. Which means number two, Chris is, I want Chris Ash here. I mean, great 2014 season. Only gave up just over 201 yards a game passing. Just over 141 rushing. 1.7 turnovers a game. 45 sacks. Huge, huge year sacks. 25 interceptions and a national championship. He followed that up in 15. Not giving or bettering his yards per game in both passing and rushing. Staying at 1.6 turnovers a game. Still had a modest 38 sacks. Interceptions were cut in half, but you know what? Still a very solid season. Chris Ash, number two. 
Number two for me, and, and, and these last two guys for me are both guys who won national championships and had national championship defenses. Number two for me was Mark D'Antonio. Now, I have a specific reason why I went Chris Ash over D'Antonio, but I will give you the opportunity first, Chris, when we come back around for you to tell me why D'Antonio is number one for you before I give you why I think Chris Ash is number one. Um, but number two for me, D'Antonio. Number two for you, Mark. Number two for me is also Mark D'Antonio. Um, you know, he had great defenses. I know the record was a little shoddy because of that 2001 year, but it's going to happen. I just – titles talk <laughs> all right chris why is d'antonio number one well for me i, I love d'antonio's defenses he didn't I, he had some great players don't get me wrong but but he didn't have two boses or he didn't have a bosa i should say to deal with uh at the same time his his rushing game he kept teams under 100 yards rushing in two of his three seasons. He kept him under 100 yards rushing a game. He kept under 250 yards passing per game in all of those seasons. And going back to the rushing, that that was at the beginning when we were still running the ball a lot. All the teams were. That was before everybody got pass happy. Uh, Turnovers per game in 2002, he had 2.1 turnovers per game, 1.9 per in uh, 2003, 2001, uh, interception numbers, double digits, all three years, you know, the sack numbers were better for Ash, but I just thought D'Antonio for me over a three year stretch consistency. Number one for me, Chris Ash. Now here's why I went over Ash over D'Antonio. And it's a very simple reason. It has nothing to do with stats, players, anything. I think being a defensive coordinator for Urban Meyer is much more difficult than being a defensive coordinator for Jim Tressel. Here's why. Urban Meyer's offenses are so up-tempo, high-octane, you automatically will have more defensive – you'll be out on the field more defensively because of that. Where Jim Tressel's offense kind of wanted to manage the clock a little bit more – um, maybe lessen the possessions that another uh, your opponent would get, and so your margin of error was less, I believe, when D'Antonio was defensive coordinator than when Ash was defensive coordinator. So I just kind of look at it as as the environment and the head coach kind of played a part of that for me, and I just felt that Chris Ash. I would say if you ask Chris Ash what has been the highlight of your coaching career, he would say being defensive coordinator at Ohio State. Where if you ask D'Antonio what's been the highlight of your career, you know he's going to say being the head coach at Michigan State. I got Chris Ash number one. Chris, do you want to rebuttal that at all? I, You know, I, I completely respect and understand that position. But for me, you know, I still say in a running era, 77.7 yards per game in the national championship season. 62.3 yards per game the following season. I'm telling for me, the, the stats don't lie. I agree with what you're saying, but I would also agree that today's athletes are even better conditioned than those 20 years ago. So, very good. Uh, number one, Monk, who you got? Luke Fickle. I mean, you know, he, he was co under Trestle and Urban Meyer. He stayed consistent all the way through. With you know, especially with uh, points against him, like very low the whole way through. 
um, national title. So I just, I had to go with Fickle. I love Luke Fickle. There you have it, guys. Sorry about the confusion when we started this. Um, some of you might be wondering, where do I have Kerry Combs? I put him at number 11. I didn't even have him <laughs> in the top 10. Um, I love Kerry Combs. I love his energy. And he's the type of guy who I feel I would love to to play for. But results were the worst out of these entire list of guys. He, they were the worst. Now, when you go back into the Cooper era, there were some pretty bad defensive coordinators uh, where Kerry Combs might be uh, might be comparable to. But given the last 10 we've had, uh, he's not even on that list for me, guys. So there you have it. That's that's our list. And fun little exercise. We might do this with offensive coordinators soon. That would be kind of fun, too, to, to go through that list. But appreciate uh, Chris and Monk joining me. Don't forget, guys. We have our tailgate coming up at the spring game. It's just in two weeks, believe it or not. Saturday, April 16th, we'll be right outside the shoe in the northwest parking lot starting at 8 a.m. and going till 1030 when we will all go into the horseshoe and get some hopefully some really good seats at about the 50-yard line up on D-deck. It's my little secret spot for everybody. Um, If we go in at about 1030, we should probably be able to get those seats and everyone can enjoy some of the best seats in the house, man. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do that as a listening group, as a, as a, a podcast family. You've been listening to the OHIO podcast. You appreciate the content we bring to you. We want to say thank you. Come out to the free tailgate. Like I said, we will post pictures on Facebook, and we will also post pictures on Twitter. Our Twitter family is growing, guys. Um, Twitter's getting huge. Actually, we're getting much better numbers from Twitter than we are Facebook, despite the fact we have about a third of the followers on Twitter that we do on Facebook. But here's the thing. Like, I, I think Facebook, their algorithms are just messed up. Like, they're, to, they're just completely and totally messed up. Where Twitter is, is much – we're getting much more participation. So, anyways, wh- however you found us, however you listen to us, we will be posting a picture of where the tailgate is at that morning. We want you to come by, say hi. We're going to be playing uh, – we'll probably be playing games – some cornhole, we'll have some T-shirts, a free breakfast for everybody. Come on out, be a part of this. We definitely want to say thank you to each and every single one of you who listen to us each and every single week here on the OHIO podcast. All right, hang tight, everybody. When we come back, I have an interview with one of those listeners who listens to us every single week and drops the best questions during the season for us to discuss. One Brian King will be joining me as we come back from this inter- uh, from this commercial. So hang tight, everybody. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree, high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. And now I'm joined by listener Brian King. Brian, how are you doing today? Oh, man, I'm doing great this morning. Ah, fantastic. So, Brian, let me start off by asking you the general questions here. I've kind of been asking all of our listeners, how did you make contact with us at the OHIO podcast? Do you remember when you first found us? 
you know, I, there's only two ways it would have happened, and I'm really not sure which. Uh, I'm on Facebook pretty often, and I very probable that I found the the, uh, the podcast page and just liked it and started interacting. And when I saw there was a podcast, I jumped on and started listening to it. Uh, the other possibility is I was searching a couple of years ago when I started listening to podcasts. I was searching for Ohio State podcast, and I might have stumbled on it that way and then heard about the Facebook page. So it's one of those two ways. <laughs> Either way, we're glad to have you a part. And uh, let me uh, first off, thank you. You are, especially when we, we call for questions for the podcast, you are one of the first people to jump on. It gives us great questions, which helps move our podcast along and the show along. So I thank you for that and for your participation. It really makes uh, this community that we have here at the OHIO podcast well worth it. And I appreciate that. Uh, that being said, what's your favorite part of our podcast i think my favorite part of the podcast is the stuff that you guys do that it's not as easy to find elsewhere and that is you give some really good analysis and update on the recruiting process for the players that we're looking to add or even once we add them how they're going to come into the program that is probably my favorite part of the podcast Oh, that, thank you. It's interesting. I've never heard someone say that before. We have we have gotten people who are they ask us things about recruiting, and none of us are really truly in the know like some of the media members are who who, who that's their full time job. But you know, we all kind of have athletic backgrounds and and we follow the recruiting so um, in the ins and outs of the program. So I appreciate you uh, making those comments. Let's talk a little bit about your fandom with the Ohio State. When did it start? Uh, and uh, maybe some good stories you can give me about your fandom with Ohio State. Uh, I started as an Ohio State fan while I was living in the Columbus area, and I remember it being 1972. Uh, I lived in the suburb of Whitehall at the time. Uh, I was like a seven-year-old kid, and uh, about two years later, my dad brought me to a prayer breakfast, and the featured speakers were some football players by the name of Archie Griffin and Cornelius Green. Oh, wow. And at that point, it, it was over. There was no way I was ever going to be a fan of any other team for any reason at any time. Yeah, two two great ones there, Cordy Green. Of course, I've met them both, and they're both outstanding human beings beyond their accomplishments on the football field, which were, of course, many. Cornelius Green, the first African-American quarterback in Ohio State history, and Archie Griffin, the only still the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, and, and both of them are great ambassadors for the university and for the sport in general. I can't imagine getting any two greater guys to speak with. Of course, this was back when they were, what, playing? Oh, yeah, they were. Uh, I, I brought the Sports Illustrated, the college preview ed edition from 1974 to that prayer breakfast. And I got both of them. to. Argue. Oh, get out of town. That is amazing. That that is one of my favorite pieces of memorabilia. Oh, that's got to be. That's fantastic. Oh, what a great one that would be. Yeah. My uh, my good buddy, Carl, he talked about how when he was a student athlete, um, and are a uh, student trainer at Ohio State back in the early 80s. Archie, or uh, not Archie, but Woody Hayes was, he still had an office there at Ohio State. This was after he was fired, but uh, from coaching, but still had an office there. And he took in an old Sports Illustrated that had, or an old program that had him and uh, 
uh, Joe Paterno on it, and he went had Woody Hayes autograph that. And then when Penn State joined the Big Ten, he went to a breakfast uh, presentation that Joe Paterno was a part of, and he got Joe Paul to autograph it as well. Wow. That's that's yeah, that's a that's a good one. So, uh, all right, who's your all time favorite Buckeye? Uh, it's it's Archie. Uh, yeah, I, and I, you know, I know it's probably because I met him in person, uh, but just remembering the, his play and all that, it, it's Archie, no question. Yeah. Now, was that your greatest Buckeye memory, or do you have a, a Buckeye memory that sticks out a little bit more than that? Actually, my my greatest memory, I got to go to the 2018 game, uh, you know, against Michigan. Obviously, uh-huh. I got to be at that game. It's the only time I've been to the, uh, you know, the Ohio State game against them. And that was the year that Olave blocked the punt and seven banks returned it. And I just remember being way up in the stands thinking that was the turning point of that game. And that is my favorite moment. Just watching that whole thing unfold right in front of my eyes. Um, That was that was just to be there for that game. But that particular moment. Yeah, that's got to be a good one. Um, Fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about this team and maybe I were on a previous program about the past season, but maybe moving forward, looking ahead, Brian, what are your expectations for the 2022 Buckeyes? You know, I I'm spoiled and I know it. We we've got one of the greatest programs in the history of the sport. And I pretty much walk into every year with an expectation that we're at least going to contend at the national level. Uh, I, I, I've gotten to a point now, and, you know, I know with Urban and now with Ryan Day, you know, we walk into the, with the expectation we're going to win the Big Ten. And if we do that, we're going to get into the playoff. Uh, I'm looking to see the improvement on the defense that we need to get back to where we should be. Uh, you know, last year, we all understand our defense just wasn't quite up to the standard we needed. But that's one of the things I love about Coach Day. He went out and was aggressive at pursuing something to make an improvement that we needed to see. So I'm walking in with the idea that we're going to contend for the national title. And I think we've got the pieces on offense to do it. If the defense can get back up, even just a, you know, we don't have to be the top defense in the land. We don't have to be Georgia good from the past year. But if we can be top 10 or so, we're going to contend for that. We, We legitimately can win the whole thing. Your early response or your early, uh, I guess, ideas of uh, Jim Knowles so far, what do you think? Well, you made mention of this on the podcast, I think it was this past weekend, where he was getting in the face of the defensive player, not because the, the play scored a touchdown for the offense in the practice, but because the player did the wrong thing. He is looking at the right process. And he needs the players to get on board with the process because the results will come if we can get the process right. And I think he's on the right track. He he is invested. He wants to see us succeed. And he knows that he knows he's under a microscope because we're, we're that's what we're all watching as Ohio State fans right now. The offense right. is going to put up the points. We just need to be able to do a little bit more on defense. Yeah. That's a good, good point. Yep. Um, you mentioned the playoffs. What are your feelings about a playoff expansion? Do you like it the way it is, or how would you change it if you could? I, I realize this is probably not a popular take, but I really don't want to see expansion. Yeah. 
I, the, the only other college football podcast I listen to is a national level where they're looking at the whole thing as a whole. And they make an excellent point on that particular podcast that expanding the pool of teams that's eligible is not really going to create more opportunities for other programs to succeed. We had the Cinderella story this year with Cincinnati getting into the playoff, and it was just a whole bunch of things that fell right for them. But playing against Alabama, they, they weren't going to beat Alabama. They, they showed very well. I, I would rather not watch a bunch of games against like a five seed and a 12 seed where the 12 seeds probably not going to have a chance to beat the five seed. And even if they do, they're not going to beat one of the top four. I would rather keep it at four myself. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't understand. I mean, obviously, it's financial driven, financially driven, yes. I think, in a lot of ways. The bit, the only benefits I could see out of more teams getting in the playoffs is those postseason games where kids won't opt out as much because they're in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a benefit as well. But outside of those two things, Brian, less is more for me. I've always felt like if you're going to expand, do not go beyond six. Make it the five. Um, you know, the, the, the five power conference champions with one at large, whether that be Notre Dame, whether that be a, 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 a Cincinnati, a Cinderella, or whether that be the second best team that maybe didn't win their conference, whatever that case might be, you know, if you keep it at six, then you make the conference championships valuable because you got to win your conference. Um, it almost makes that the first round of the playoffs, in my opinion. I think after we get beyond that, we we really water it down. What are your thoughts? No, I, I would agree. And I, I can see the value of inviting the top five conferences. But one thing we do want to look at, the conferences as we know it are starting to, to you know reshape again. The Big 12 may not be quite as viable in future years. We may end up with only four major conferences very soon. Yeah, I, you're right. I mean, especially if, if you know, with the SEC expansion, if the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big Ten decide to follow suit and they each add two more teams, that's that's six more schools that are getting plucked, you know, probably from the Big 12 and maybe some of the other better schools from the lesser conferences, such as like a um, Boise State or UCF or, you know, something like that. Right. Um you know, what are your thoughts if the Big Ten were to expand, Brian, and they were to go to 16? Who would you see like to see them go after? Right now, uh, I, I, first of all, I'd love to see them go after Cincinnati. And <clears throat> I, I know that the offer has been made in the past and it's been rejected. But I've never understood why Notre Dame in the current culture has not jumped into the big. I, I know the numbers and the finances, but they fit so perfectly with everything else that the Big Ten does, even in the educational realm. True. Yep. So Notre, if, if Notre Dame were to decide to come to the Big Ten, who do you think their biggest rival would be? Would it, would it be the team up north, you think? You know, I know we do have a measure of rivalry with them, even though we haven't played a whole lot over the years. But Michigan and Notre Dame have had a pretty long history. I mean, they used to play every year. Right. Uh -huh. I, you know, I don't know that how Michigan would feel about having two major rivals like that. But um, I, I could see the two of them being 
the more significant rivals in each other's eyes. Yeah, I think if that if you if they do that and and Notre Dame and Michigan becomes a yearly game, then obviously I think Ohio State Penn State has to become has to be kept a yearly game, and then Penn State and Michigan <clears throat> don't play each other every single year. That'd be the only way to make it, I guess, fair. You could sure. say. Um, not that we're trying to be fair. We're Ohio State fans. We just want to win. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, some outside of outside of the uh, C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith, Najigba and Travion Henderson, who are you most excited to see in 2022, either offensively or defensively? Well, the you know we already know the offense is going to be putting up the points. That's that's a given. We we've seen production consistently there, um, and I have to admit. The little football that I've played, I've always been on the line, and I love watching the linemen. But the two I'm looking for this year are Sawyer and Tumalao. And I know I'm pronouncing his name wrong, and apparently <laughs> his mom doesn't like JTT. So right. we know who we're talking about. But those are the two that I'm looking for this year. I'm looking for a significant jump in both of them because it was pretty evident that was an area that we really needed more production last year that just wasn't happening. Yeah, I think and, – and, and of course, we're recording this before we record the first part of the podcast. So if I end up um, speaking about this already, uh, those who are listening, I apologize. But Brian and I are recording on a uh, Thursday morning here. Um, I believe Jack, according to what I am reading in, in between the tea leaves here, is going to be playing that stand-up hybrid position that they're calling the Jack position or the future Leo position, which is that stand-up defensive end hybrid who can kind of float between being defensive end and linebacker. And if Jack Sawyer's in that position and he becomes somebody who is on the field the same time as Zach Harrison and JT Tumulau, could you imagine all three of those guys lining up in a five-man front, especially against a team like Wisconsin or Iowa or even the team up north when they're trying to run the football. I think this is a brilliant move to be able to get all three of those guys on the field at the same time. What are your thoughts about Jack Sawyer playing in that position? And what is your what are your thoughts thus far about that defensive and hybrid position that it's it's it sounds like it's getting talked about a lot right now? Well, we we've seen the 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 production since really since Chase left a couple years ago. The defensive end has not come through for us the way we got, you know, with the Bosa boys and Chase. It hasn't happened. And it sounds like Jim Knowles is he's got a system in place, but he wants to make some adaptations to use the strengths of the players that he has. And it sounds like he's saying, I want to use Jack Sawyer to make him the most effective player I can make him to be. And that's one of the things I like that I'm seeing right now. The idea of those guys being on the line together, but in a system that's going to be able to work for them individually and us as a unit, it, it just makes me salivate. I, I want to see that kind of production. <laughs> I, I do too. I think I think the biggest mistake, and it's and I use the the word mistake here, kind of flu, Yeah, I, I'm not sure if that's the really the right term I want to use, but I think the two things that Ryan Day has done that is untraditional to us fans that has been difficult for us to swallow is obviously the change in defense. Now that's not necessarily his fault. I believe he believed in Kerry Combs. 
uh, when Kerry stepped in. And I, with the whole COVID year and things, he had to give him that extra year. Understand that. But it was obviously obvious last year at the beginning of last year that that defense was broken. He's the head man. Obviously, he's got to take some responsibility for that. The other thing that Ryan Day, I think, has gotten a little bit in trouble with is the fact that he loves the pass so much that sometimes I think he gets away from the run a little bit too a little bit too much. And so uh, those are the two areas I think that Ryan Day needs to address. And I, I'm with you. I think he's addressed this with Jim Knowles, uh, at least on the defensive side. And I believe he's going to address the running game, too. As Ohio State fans, we're used to that silver bullet defense. I can hear you in your voice. You're excited about it as well as I am. I'm also excited about what we might see in the running game this year. Travion Henderson, does he have, in your opinion, the opportunity to become one of the greats at Ohio State? Or are we just entering into this new era of offense at Ohio State where it's quarterback and and passing driven and, and the running back might not ever be the same, you're afraid? What are your thoughts? You know, the history of football has shown the running game is going to be a major component. Now, the passing has really increased, you know, with with, you know, going back into the 80s and 90s, the West Coast offense, as it was called. And then we got into the spread and all these things where the the passing game got featured more and more. I'm, I'm all for it. I love it. But we've got a horse with Trevion Henderson and even some of the guys behind him. Let's not forget Meatball and and some of the other guys that are on that on that uh, that depth chart. Right. But it's going to come down to me, like I said earlier, the offensive line has got to do a better job in run blocking this year. Our pass blocking was was pretty good, pretty solid. But we had a few issues with run blocking last year. If we can make the improvements, because another one of our hires in the offseason was an offensive line coach. And right. I'm, I want to see how the offensive line responds, because. Uh, do I think that uh, Trevion Henderson could become something special, even in the unique history of Ohio State running backs? He gets an offensive line that's going to do the job for him. Yeah, he can. Yeah. All right, my man. I know you got to go to work. I've got to go to work. It's been a lot of fun talking with you. Anything you any question you have for me or anything else you'd like to discuss before we head out of here? Well, I know one thing you ask is about some ideas for the podcast. One thing that I would love as a fan is to see some former or current players or coaches get interviewed sometime. If there's a way to make that happen, man, that would be that would be something awesome. We will effort that, my man. We 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 try our best. <laughs> so uh, we will see if we can't get a couple former players, maybe some coaches. That would be a lot of fun. I'd enjoy that myself. One last question for you. What does it mean to you to be a Buckeye? You know, I thought about this one because I knew it was coming, but my dad used sports as a vehicle to communicate values to me. And as a Buckeye fan, I love the fact that we are committed to excellence and we are going to continue to adapt and change and become great. And those are personal lessons. And I look at Ohio State as a community of people. We want to see something happen. So when I see people anywhere in my community or on my travels, if I see somebody wearing scarlet and gray with a block O, I always OH them. And if they <laughs> if they get me first, I give them the IO. Beautiful. I love it. All right, everybody. As always, be kind to one another. IO someone's OH and sing Carmen, Ohio with all your heart. And until next time, Brian, OH! IO! Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Oh, come, let's sing, oh. 
highest praise and songs through terrain while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still summer's heat or winter's cold the seasons pass the years will roll time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship, O Ohio. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.